I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes or no, did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. I had no prior knowledge of the planned assault on Nancy Kerrigan. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Oops, the podcast. I am Julio Gallerati. I love you. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate you. I am joined here today, as always, by my boy, my co-host, the wonderful Francis Ellis. How you doing, Francis? I'm your boy. I'm your boy. You're my boy. You're a little boy. <laughs> do you not use that term when referring to a, clo- to a close friend? Dude, I do like it. And you know what the best version of it I ever heard was somebody, somebody once said, um, W-E-B, ya boy. <laughs> that's pretty good. Like do boy, W E B to boy, yeah. Who was like I think a slave leader? <laughs> Is it not Dubois? It it might be. Hold on. I don't know the. I've never known the pronunciation of that. But nobody ever. He was an American sociologist, socialist, historian, civil rights activist, Pan Africanist, author, writer, and editor. That doesn't help me a whole lot. <laughs> but yeah, nobody, in, I used to think in, in AP American history, I thought it was Webb Dubois, Dubois, <laughs> and it's W-E-B. So now my my buddy was, he calls him, he refers to himself. He's like, like dude, that. pretty big night last night for W-E-B, your boy. You That's know? pretty good, dude. That's pretty <laughs> fucking pretty good. good. That's pretty fucking good. Um, yeah. You have a nice weekend? What's going on? Well, kind of. Kind of. I, 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 I had to, um, I, my girlfriend and I, we had a, we had a day for her. That's good. Kind Any of. particular occasion? Yeah, it's, it's good for her. It's good for her. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess the occasion was that like on Saturday I went golfing and, uh, and sort of just disappeared all day. And so I felt like I owed her Sunday. And the things that she wanted to do were, were great. I mean, we went out in the boat. That was really nice. Sweet. And then we went and played tennis. Now, you and I have played tennis before. Uh, you know my ability. Um, yeah, you're solid. I'm solid. My girlfriend is new to the sport. Mm-hmm. Actually, Put, dude, I, to clarify, I would say you are very good for a guy who, like, didn't play like organized i don't know about how what your involvement was as a teenager but like for a guy who didn't play college tennis i would say you're like very good thank you i i grew up playing racket sports um it was like a big thing in my family because my mom you know was pretty involved with, with college right. tennis and and so whatever I, I it was always like the sport i was playing when i wasn't playing sports right if that makes right. sense absolutely so I had to teach my girlfriend tennis and (laughs) I don't have a whole lot of patience about anything. And, um, I, I struggled with this and it made me think that couples, you should not enlist a significant other to teach you a skill that they're good at where you are, you are starting from the beginning. Yeah, right, right. 
Do you know what I mean? I agree. And it's funny because if it's a significant other, for some reason, there's like no level of patience. But if it's your kid, it's the complete opposite. Absolutely. It's so interesting. I was thinking about that. I was yeah. like, well, what if, if the person across the net from me were just, you know, two feet shorter and my daughter, I'm sure I would be so encouraging and enjoy. I'd be, I'd be thinking like, oh, she's going to grow up so fast before I know it, you know? <laughs> But instead, I was looking across at my girlfriend and being like, you know, why aren't you getting this? Like, what the, what's <laughs> happening? I'm giving you the blueprint and it's not <laughs> clicking or whatever, you know. And now, I'm, most, I, I'm mostly joking. We had a wonderful time and she, she's a very quick learner. So I, I suspect that she will pick up this game and, and, and become good and we'll hopefully we'll enjoy it together. That's the goal, that's, right? That's a great. That's great. I really believe that like, you know, I, I think Jay-Z or Beyonce once said couples that play together, stay together. Interesting. Um, and it, I'm, I think it was before his whole infidelity thing came out where he was banging her sister or Rihanna's sister or whatever. Do you remember that? Yeah, I don't remember. I forget the details. Well, maybe it was Beyonce's sister punched him in the face in an elevator. And that because was- Because he was being- not, I don't think he was hooking up with her. I think he right. was, Somebody she else. knew that he was being, he was uh, sleeping around. Gotcha. Which, by the way, I mean, is so preposterous. Like, Jay-Z, Beyonce is one of the most beautiful women to ever walk the earth. Right. And Jay-Z is, at best, a three. Oh, come on. You don't think, you don't think he's a three? Putting yeah. aside Jay-Z's accolades, his wealth, his achievement, his, his financial acumen. Uh, if you saw Jay-Z outside of, a, of like a deli, you'd be like, that guy is not doing well. I, dude, I don't know, man. I think it's hard to disconnect a guy and his status when it comes okay. to like. So just a snapshot, sh snapshot of Jay-Z's face, right? Okay, fine, fine. Fair, fair enough. I don't think he's that handsome of a guy. He doesn't less have a particularly great body, as far as I know. It's a less com it's less competitive. I okay. His fair. bone structure sucks. He gets better looking with age. I agree with what you're saying, though. Like just his, his 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 face alone is not his strongest asset. Jay Z is a butter face <laughs> and a butter body. He's a butter wallet. That's what he is. Jay Z's a butter. Grammys. <laughs> Meanwhile, Beyonce, I mean, is, is, yeah, whatever. We know. I mean, she's the most st stunning woman. So, so amazing and all that. So, I, I, I don't know. The point is that saying of, like, you give a guy steak every night, he's going to get tired of steak or something. Right. Jay-Z right. went out and stepped out on his marriage with Beyonce. Right. Which is pathetic. Yeah, Whatever. it's 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 too common of a trend in Hollywood relationships of just like the guy with the most gorgeous girl in Hollywood cheating on her with like just the most random person. Yeah. <laughs> See, there's a picture of Jay Z looking. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> looking poorly. Well, dude, I I think that uh, it would be funny because my girlfriend, I started teaching her. I gave her one lesson last year. It would be funny if we trained our girlfriends and then had them play each other and but we got dude, to like coach them from the side. And I don't, I don't know where your girlfriend is at, but I, I, <laughs> I just think that if we put them on the court together, 
and had them trying to play tennis together, if your girlfriend is where my girlfriend is, there wouldn't be much rallying going on. There'd be a lot of collecting balls. Right, right. It would be a little anticlimactic of a match. You'd need hampers, lots of hampers <laughs> of balls. Did I? It's funny you say that, though. I always hated teaching couples together. Right. Because they would do that, and they, th- they thought it would be fun. But logistically, it's hard because typically one partner is much better than the other one. Occasionally, mm-hmm. you get one where it's similar. But it's the same as like if a guy and his kid wanted to play together. And what you end up having to do is you end up having to cut the time up. One person waits, and the other person plays. Right. One person picks up the balls or whatever, but it's a really hard thing to kind of cram together. Right. Um, I, I, I do think that tennis, if you are, if you're with somebody who is of your commensurate skill level uh, for a couple, it can be a wonderful like bonding activity. Totally. Uh, but it's just rare that you have find two people who are of the same level of tennis who are dating. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so yeah, so we did that, and then we oh, and then we um, played cornhole with some neighbors. Oh, nice! Which it's a good was kind social of fun. distancing activity. Yeah, it was solid. Um, and I don't know, things. It was a solid weekend. How was your weekend? It's good. My weekend was good, dude. I mean, my I'm less than a week out from seeing my girlfriend. Finally, <gasps> how many days? In- I think five or six days, like I'm going to either go get her. I'm going to get her Saturday or Sunday. It's funny. I posted a picture of myself and her for the first time. It's the first time I've ever posted a picture of us together as a hard post. Wow. And dude, the picture crushed my best performing. It's my best performing Instagram photo yet by far. Well, you guys both looked amazing in the picture in in your defense. A very attractive couple. Thank you. Um, Thank you. But I'm trying. Let me pull it up here. Um, it's amazing. Do, do, you know, the, uh, that's true of me too. Anytime I post my girlfriend, and I've only I've only posted her a couple times, but yeah, it always tends to perform very very well on my Instagram. Right, and she kind of thinks that she's like, oh, you know, she didn't like necessarily say this, but she understands the idea of me not wanting to post her. And I'm like, I'm not hiding it. I'm like, you're not a secret. Like, I don't think that like girl fans are going to be turned off by a, you know, a comedian that has a girlfriend. I think maybe quite the contrary, potentially. You know what I mean? I think right. we're both guys who are good to our girlfriends. And hopefully like people appreciate that about us. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea the the psychology hey, no behind idea. that. Um, well, that's great though. And you'll see each other. Are you an office fan? Did you watch the office? A little bit. There's a great episode where Pam and Jim haven't seen each other in a while because she's in art school, I think, or working in New York. And the whole office knows exactly the number of days that are left (laughs) until they're going to see each other again. And everyone keeps coming up and being like, five more days <laughs> and it's like it's like this creepy office-wide yeah. thing of like they're gonna pipe uh, in five days and everyone's in on it it's so funny dude that is funny i don't have a lock on my door so i wonder if like that will <laughs> if what people in the house are gonna like i don't think they'll I think uh, they're they're grown up enough probably to not try to like barge in while you guys are you know reconnecting. <laughs> um, dude, that's great though. Uh, you guys have any? She's coming out there to see you. Yeah, she's gonna come out here and stay here for a little 
um, and then we're going to kind of figure it out from there. But uh, it should be fun, man. How long is she staying for? Uh, we don't know yet. Probably not. Okay. Probably We're probably not going to do it for too long. But I imagine that from here on out, we'll probably be like together from now on, I think. That's great. Um, but it's funny because, dude, like she works all day. Like she has still been working and like she's not going to the office. She's working from, from home. And I'm like out, you know, going on walks and shit. And I'm starting to feel like this funny we have this funny like relationship balance like i'm literally calling her i'm like i'm looking at a baby turtle and she's like i have to go i have a call <laughs> like dude literally like the other day i i was thinking about how funny this was because I, I didn't actually tell this story but i had this face off with a hawk on a hiking mm. path the other day which mm -hmm. i kind of explained to you guys for a second but like this hawk was just in the middle of the path i posted the video on my story of just this hawk and it was just looking at me like this but from the side so then I walked up closer and closer and it didn't fall, fly away. So then I started walking back. And as I walked back, dude, I'm not kidding you, the hawk squared up at me. It, it hopped to face me. Oh and I was God. like, oh my God. And then it kind of, it started flying and it kind of like, it takes a while for it to build up momentum and it starts flying in my direction. And I hide in branches just in <laughs> case it came at me and I had a stick. I was going to fight it off. And then it landed and then flew away. And I thought in my head, I was like, wow, my girlfriend is like closing deals for like advertising dollars and I'm having face-offs with birds. <laughs> birds of prey. <laughs> birds of prey. Like what a sad reality of, the, of life now. You yeah, but me? dude, in, the, uh, in, the, in truth, you as a comedian, as a podcaster, as a storyteller, that hike and that encounter with the hawk provides you with the same amount of like you know material and, and that's like your lead of the day you know you're sourcing so right totally and that's it's funny you say that because i think coming to terms with that is a very important aspect of being happy living the life that you and i do mm -hmm. knowing so many people that have conventional jobs and like yeah. conventional day-to-day -day, i sometimes feel isolated knowing that my standoff with the hawk is like part of my job somehow. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, but I think the, the, the important thing to notice there is that like there are just as many people doing what we do who don't go out looking for hawks to square off with. <laughs> do you know what I mean? They just yeah. sit and they wait for the hawks to come to them and they think like, well, you know, I haven't had any good, good ideas in a while, but yeah, Julio's lucky. He's running into hawks left and right. Like... <laughs> We can't all have that. My hawk will come. You know what I mean? Guys, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, fill in the blanks here. If I were in a concert right now and I said, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, I'd then turn the microphone to all of you sitting in the stadium and you would all yell, Anchor, Anchor. And then you'd say, go to anchor.fm to download the software where you could host your very own podcast, see all the best analytics. You could see it in a way that was really user-friendly and nice and not too technical and industry jargony. It's a way that any person can look at it and be like, ooh, that's pretty. And also it's our podcast. And you, there's no minimum listenership required to advertise and monetize. So you can immediately have ads when you hit the ground running. It's really exciting, really spectacular. If you want to start your very own podcast, anchor.fm, download it now. Dude, I wanted to, I, I, uh, I saw our, our dear friends, Raina Greenberg and Ashley Hesseltine uh, over the weekend. I, How are I, they? They invited me to, they're well, they're really well. And I, I hopped on one of their um, live Instagram shows or maybe it was uh -huh. on YouTube or something. And Chris was actually facilitating. He was the producer 
um, doing a little nice. freelance work. Um, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't really know. I, first of all, I didn't even realize that it was for charity. I, I guess that was my fault. I, I, I don't read details very often. Should that change anything? It would have changed my approach a little bit. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, it would have. Because I kind of came in and I thought it was just like their fans and they were just doing a fun thing. Right. And I was super raw. <laughs> I came in very raw. Francis um, Ron uncut baby. Yeah, dude. I was I was a red rocket <laughs> from a, an excited dog. Just like <laughs> that's what I was doing, you know? And and basically, uh first first and foremost, my mic wasn't working. So the first like two minutes, they were like, wait, what? We can't really, eh. and that stressful, there were 3,800 people watching. And so that, that is very, um, that gives that it's very panic inducing Totally. when your technical stuff is busted, you feel like, oh shit, this is a nightmare. It, you know, it's like being in a job interview when you're, when your stuff isn't working. Right. So that really kind of knocked me off of my game. And then I like logged out and logged back in. And I was like, is that working now? And they were like, oh, it's finally working, whatever. And I was like, oh, shit, okay. And I also had, it was at night, and I had set up the lighting such that the rest of the house was pitch black, but only the ring light was like illuminating me. Right. And so it looked like I was a ghost <laughs> or, or just like in this dark world kind of in the woods out of nowhere. And it was very creepy. Telling scary stories. Yeah. And then I started getting into like just dark shit. I did a song about um, how, how great it is to have a girlfriend that you like enough that if a group of bad guys from Eastern Europe ever killed her, you would like enact revenge. And That's hunt a them very down. noble, very noble mission statement. It is. And, it, and I thought it was very romantic, but uh, Ashley was like you know it just it was there was just a lot of anger there was a lot of <laughs> anger in that song <laughs> and they have, high stake. they have such positive fans it was such a positive charity thing and i'm talking about i'm like one of the lines is like uh and then i lay my blade upon a flame until the steel glows red and i carve her name into their necks out of deference to the dead that's and, a great line. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, and it, and um, it's not so much romantic as it is violent and uh, <laughs> perverted in a way. So um, it just was a little bit of a of a of a left turn, I think, <laughs> in the show. Mateo was the guest right before me, uh, right. and he's up there. He's so handsome and charming, and he's got this great laugh. And then I come on and sing about hunting down east eastern europeans like liam neeson and uh, so wait are there live comments during this there may have been i i think they have like a facebook group that has an active chris is saying thing. yes so chris you could see okay yeah so i, I wouldn't even i don't want to know what those comments <laughs> were honestly i'm sure this is the way i roll dude i'm sure half the comments or, or way more than half the comments were like this is the worst thing I've ever seen. I did not know this was going to happen. I didn't know you were bringing a complete sociopath onto this lovely <laughs> charity show that I just donated to. And then there were probably a handful of people who were like, 
this is right up my alley. I needed right. this, you know? Right, right, right. So I'm playing to those folks. Love it. Love it. That dude. 4%. Good. So were you, were you like stressed out about this at any point? Like, look, I, I don't want to ever uh, hurt their brand. I mean, I love those girls so much. The they've best. done so much for me. I love what they've built. I love their audience. I, I work with them a lot. And the last thing I would ever want is to come on their show and do it a disservice. Right. And I was very worried that I had done that. I was very worried that I had like lowered the bar or that I had served as some sort of, you know, kind of weird spot on an otherwise great night of comedy for Girls Gotta Eat and its fans. But um, I think in the end, uh, you know, Ashley and Raina kind of assured me like, you know, it wasn't so bad. So uh, <laughs> it's good. I was, I calmed down the next day, but I was, I was pretty tense that night. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, Chris, come in. What, what was your impression of the whole thing? I mean, I thought it was funny, but I'm like not the audience, you know, I'm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I, 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 I was also, laughing. Dude, they, they, they said, um, they were like, do you have any revelations or do you want to spill some tea on anything? I think that was the thing they were asking everybody. And I said, well, do you remember when I got fired for Barstool for writing about that dead girl? Um, and then I apologized <laughs> and said, I never knew. And I was like, I knew the whole time that she was dead. And oh that was the wrong thing to say. I mean, <laughs> That's I, not I true joking. though, right? You're joking. Not at all. Of course not. It was not true. No, I, 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 like I would be basically sewering my entire like <laughs> livelihood if I were tr being honest about that. Um, it just was not funny. And I, I don't know. I, I, I was just, I was going for gasps. Like, what I don't does know spill the tea mean? It means like tell a secret. Yeah, give us Still, some dirt. Give us some gotcha. give us some, some dirt. Also, yeah, you said oh, you yeah, said right before that song, you were like, I love just sucking the room out. Yes, because one time, one time, Julio, they called me and they FaceTimed me while they were doing a live show in LA in front of like mm. 1,500 people at a theater. And mm. they were. it was the day Kobe passed away. Oh, my God. And they were like, Francis, how are you? We're here in LA. And their fans were all like, woo. And they were like, what's going on? What are you up to? And I was like, oh my God, I'm just still reeling from the news of Kobe's passing. Did you guys hear about that? And it's like the, the, the worst thing that you could have brought up, <laughs> brought up in that time. That's a bad thing to bring up. Uh, oh, but it's, and then they like hung up. They're like, oh my God. You know, but um, it's not funny really to anyone but me, unfortunately. <laughs> so I, and I'm not saying Kobe's death was funny. I'm saying saying that in that moment, but uh, I got to learn, I got to learn a little better to, to just, you know, learn to play along a little bit better, I think. That's all right, dude. Yeah. It could have been much worse. Yeah. But, yo, speaking of Barstool, I wanted to, um, th this, someone asked us about uh, the cancer story. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to, um, to, to tell you this story since are you not familiar with this story? I'm not, no. All right. So this is the craziest thing that's happened in my career by far. Um, when I was, uh, applying for Barstool, I was applying through this like game show that they had set up called Barstool Idol. And it was a, a week long contest 
kind of like The Apprentice where, you know, people auditioned and then if you got passed into the week, every day they would eliminate someone at the end of the day in front of a Facebook Live audience of thousands of people. And during the day, we would compete and do these tasks, you know, writing blogs, going on treasure hunts, doing all kinds of weird stuff um, and trying to prove your value as to why. At the end, the person who won was going to win a job at Barstool. And as you guys know, I ended up winning the whole week. That's how I got my job, whatever. But two months before this, uh, I had had a surgery on my throat because I'd had uh, polyps removed Mm -hmm. that were on my vocal cords that were making me very, very hoarse. I'd been hoarse for like a year. Oh, wow. And it was super bad. Have you ever had this? I don't know. I hope not. It's How hoarse? Like to the point where if I went out for a night of drinking or even to like a loud restaurant and had to talk loudly for two or three days after that, I would be hoarse. Uh, I have, I know people who that happens to, but it's never happened to me. And it it would get, it would get to the point where like, if there was a particularly bad night, like if I had to perform a weekend of headlining and I would sing in my act, then after the Saturday night late show, it would take me a full, like a week before I could really talk again. Wow. And it was just so, it was so setting me back and really getting in my way. And so actually I say that, I don't think I was headlining yet because that was all before Barstool. So whatever, just, I was just hoarse all the time and it was, it sucked. So I went in to an ear, nose and throat doctor, an otolaryngologist or something, I think they're called, whatever named Dr. Wu up at the Mount Sinai Hospital. He's a renowned guy. And uh, he told me that I had polyps. We had a surgery scheduled. He removed them. Pretty easy surgery. He scrapes the polyps off the vocal cords very gently. And uh, whenever they take something out of your body in a surgical procedure, they biopsy it kind of just like for good, for good medicine, as a doctor once told me. Yeah, they always want us to make sure that the things that they've taken out of your body are, are good to go. And uh, so that happened like, I don't know, a month, maybe maybe three or four weeks before I had my Barstool Idol week begin. So I go in on the Monday, almost get eliminated, scrape by. On Tuesday, we had to like write blogs, something. I started to like actually distinguish myself. And... I think it was on Wednesday in the middle of the day that I got a call from Dr. Wu from his assistant. And she said, we need you to come into the office right now. And I was like, I, I can't under no circumstances. Can I do that? Because I'm in at Barstool and like, I'm on, I'm, I'm being ushered around from task to task in front of all these people. And this is like my big job interview for a potentially career changing break. And they were like, listen, you need to come in. We have some, some news that we need to tell you. And I was like, oh, fuck. Jesus. So I get on the subway and I go up to Mount Sinai Hospital and I go into the, his office. And, Are you panicking the whole time on the train? Yeah, because when a doctor tells you that you have to come in that day. Right, you're like, fuck. You're like, what, what is this? Go- you, you, my mind went to cancer. Of course, yeah immediately you know what i mean like that's what it went to and then i walked in and he my doctor sat me down and he was like so we took the you know we buy up the biopsy results came back from what we thought were the polyps that we removed from your throat and it turns out that they had they showed signs of cancerous malignancies wow 
And we are now under the impression that they were not polyps, but they were actually small tumors on your throat. And I was kind of like stunned, but also yes. kind of like, well, you know, I, I had I had prepared myself for really bad news on the ride up there. And I was also just things were moving so fast that week at Barstool that I didn't have time to like really process it. Right. But I was like, all right, so what do I do? And they were like, well, you know, we're going to have to send them. The, the, the doctor had said, he said to me, he was like, in my 30 years of being an ear, nose and throat doctor, I've never been more surprised by a test result because wow. when he took it out of my throat, he thought it looked like a normal polyp. And, you know, it did, he didn't think it showed signs of being a tumor. So he was very surprised when these results came back. But he said, even so, we need to find, we need to start, we need to do further testing to make sure that the cancer hasn't metastasized. We need to find out if it's, you know, spread. Uh, we need to figure out what we're dealing with here. So, you know, just hang tight. We're gonna send the, the samples out to California to a clinic to do more testing. I was like, okay, Jesus Christ. I then, you know, got into a cab to head back to Barstool and I called my parents to let them know. And I think I started crying a little bit because I was like, mom, dad, like I just got this news that I, you know, I have like cancerous malignancies in my throat that they took out and I'm pretty, I'm freaking out. And they were like, okay, whatever, we'll figure it out. But then I got out of the cab at Barstool and I went upstairs and that someone grabbed me and they were like, we've been looking for you. Where the fuck have you been? You have to go in and do a KFC radio segment, test segment right now. Oh and I was God. like, ah, okay, Jesus. And I go in to the radio room and I sit down with Kevin Clancy and I'm so shaken from the news that I've just gotten that I'm like wearing it on my face and I can't really fathom what's going on and none of it seems to make any sense and he goes dude are you all right and i was like i don't know man i just got some pretty heavy news at the doctor and he goes you're not about to tell me that you have cancer are you oh my god and i went i i kind i think so yeah and he goes what and then i had to tell that story on the radio right oh so my that god. happened that happened on Wednesday in the middle oh of the day god. of my Barstool Idol audition. Oh my god. And at the end of that day they had their elimination thing and they played the tapes from everyone's there were only at that point there were only like five people remaining in the contest and they played the sort of the tapes from everyone's uh test radio segment and everyone else was like talking about sports and stuff and then I come out and it's like here's Here's the ginger, you know, candidate kid, Francis, revealing on air that he has cancer. Oh, my God. And it was like a huge story. It was a big deal, yeah. obviously. And look, in hindsight, I, sh I, I should have been a lot more guarded. I shouldn't have said anything because I didn't know what the deal was yet. But I was, I, I was just so flung into things and I, I was so whatever. So I get past that day. I ended up winning the whole thing. I get my job at Barstool. And then Dave was like, and now you're the cancer kid. So like, you know, it's going to be tough for me not to make fun of that. And I was like, no problem. 
I should add oh that on Friday, on the last day when it was down to me and one other kid, I made these like songs and, and went out and did like a man on the street video where I was doing like spoofs of popular pop songs where I'd rewritten the lyrics to say something about how I had cancer. Right. Kind of like Tom Green when he did the like, I've got cancer in my nuts, cancer in my nuts thing. I don't know if you right, remember that. Right. I remember that. Um, and it was probably the piece of work that I put out that like pushed me over the top to win the whole contest. Wow. So I'm working at Barstool for like two or three weeks. I, and how are you feeling this whole time, by the way, like during the day, are you fine when you go to bed? You're like, yeah, you know, I, I was so, I was so like, uh, sort of, I didn't have time to think about it because Barstool was such an enormous change in my life. I had gone from being a tutor and a stand-up comic who was doing late night at the comic strip four nights a week and like bar, bar shows. And, and, and all of a sudden I was picking up like, 2000 Instagram followers, you know, a day people are starting to like, be like, everyone's wishing me well and hoping right. that I beat cancer. Oh my God. And it was like a, uh, you know, I, and I was also putting out really good work very, very quickly at Barstool. I was blogging while I was making these, this is Barstool parody commercials, kind of like the, this is sports center commercials. Right. And so I had become like a, a popular figure pretty quickly to the fans. You're a young star. Yeah, and also you're never gonna like dislike the kid who comes in and is battling cancer right off. No, I mean, it's everyone's favorite kid. Yeah, so I I'm there for a couple weeks and I'm just like you know trying to trying to like stay afloat and 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 whatever. We are my parents are involved with the cancer stuff to the extent that they got the test results sent back to like our our family doctors in Maine. And we're trying to get them to like help us figure it out. And our good friend who's a, an a oncologist, yeah, oncologist here in Maine was looking at this and being like, this doesn't make much sense to me either. But they, they were still waiting for the stuff to come back from the, the clinic in San Francisco. Right. And then one Friday, I think it was like two or three weeks into my time at Barstool, I got a phone call from Dr. Wu's office. And it was his, you know, head assistant. And she said, we've got some great news. We did DNA testing of the samples that came back cancerous. And they showed feminine DNA signs. And it turned out they had tested a woman's samples. And then wow. mislabeled them as mine. Wow. And apparently this is actually like more common than you'd think. Oh my God. It's horrible news. That dude. slides in the labs at these hospitals get mislabeled and switched because so many of them come in and you're talking about microscopic. Right. Or, you know, shit. Jesus. So I'm sitting there. I basically just get the news that I've, effectively been cured of cancer oh my god and i i i want to like jump and celebrate but i'm also aware that i'm at barstool and i've seen how things are go there and i'm i'm, I'm like i had I, I i had about probably a minute or two of being super relieved and super happy before the reality set in that this was going to look bad 
Right. Losing it look like you did this to try to win the competition. Exactly. Oh I hadn't God. even thought I hadn't even thought that far. Just that like miraculously right. I'd been cured of cancer. And so I had I had the idea to keep this woman on the phone and I called a buddy of mine over and I was like, dude, I need you to listen to this really quick. And I put the phone on speaker and I said, Can you just say that one more time? And she was like, yep, no problem. And she was like, I'm so-and-so from Mount Sinai Hospital. And we just want to let you know, like, we found out that we tested the wrong sample. Your lab was sample. It, you know, it looks like you're fine. Oh, my God. And everyone was, it was a Friday afternoon. And everyone who was there started clapping. And it was like, wow, an amazing moment. It was an amazing moment. Before the clapping had <laughs> even subsided, this guy named Nate had run to his laptop and was writing a blog, Ginger Francis faked cancer to win Barcel Idol. Oh my God. And he published that blog before any of the, like I, before I could say anything. Oh my God. And of course, Dave reads it. And Dave was, Dave was like, he was somewhere else. He was down in, in Atlanta preparing for the Super Bowl or something. And classic Barstool, like, you know, regardless of what the facts were, it was a far funnier, far more interesting story that I, that Francis would have faked cancer to win a job at Barstool. Wow. And then they started spinning it that I was a sociopath, like what kind of monster would do this? <laughs> now, meanwhile, I'm writing a, my own take of the blog. And what I did was I took a, I had, I had a copy of the biopsy report from Mount Sinai lab, you know, with all the language, the letterhead, the signatures of my doctor and the whole medical report being like samples came back, cancerous malignancies, blah, blah, blah. Like the medical wording, all right. of that. So I scanned that and then I included that in my blog, which was probably like not a great idea. Well, Wait, why? Just because I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like including the names of real doctors and like, this is private medical information. My family had been like saddened by this and we'd been dealing with it. And it was like so personal to me, but I didn't know what else to do. I, you needed I, to clear your name. Yeah. So I include all that. I write the whole story of what had happened. I even included, cause I had asked Dr. Wu to call my parents to explain to them since i didn't really understand it uh, as well if he could explain to them what we were dealing with and he left them a voicemail and so i had actually managed to include the audio from his voicemail to my parents diagnosing me with cancer or having found you know the cancerous tumors mm -hmm. in my throat and any normal person reads that sees that blog and they're like oh yeah okay you know he didn't fucking fake cancer whatever right but there were just enough barstool fans who either thought it was more entertaining to believe dave's narrative or just were like are just like angry people or something i, I don't really know why but they from from that day forward and for a long time i was the kid who had faked cancer unbelievable bro to get a job at barstool and it came up for for, for years um the whole time and you know it kind of like slowly died away once people realized i wasn't like actually a fucking psychopath but 
that's that's always something that I'll get when like whenever anyone trolls come at me or something they'll just be like this kid you know fuck you you faked cancer what kind of dude and uh so that's always and that's always been some dude my the last relationship I was in uh my ex-girlfriend's sister was dating this guy and he didn't like me because he was um orthodox jewish Mm -hmm. and her family was jewish and he didn't like the idea that anyone in their family would date someone who was not jewish oh man and he tried to convince not only his girlfriend but my girlfriend by extension that i had faked cancer oh my god so he like seized upon this thing to try to discredit me and out me get me kicked out of the the family or something oh my god and it was a pretty nasty like chapter in my career that i had to kind of like just weather um dude you're gonna fucking file a lawsuit i know that's people have brought that up and there were a few reasons i didn't or didn't even really look into it one it seemed crazy to me to sue a hospital for telling me that i didn't have cancer that just seemed like (laughs) bad karma totally totally. and then two you know two um if anyone had a had a case it's it's actually the woman i was gonna i've been i wanted to ask about that 100 percent. they told her she didn't have it and she did dude dude, either either she had cancer right and then like now i don't know if my slide went to her if it was like a perfect swap right but let's presume that it was either she had cancer got my test results and doctors were like we don't know what happened here but it's a medical miracle you're cured (laughs) oh my god and then for a month she lived her life under that thought or only to find out that she like still had it right or uh she didn't have cancer oh how does it work it's it's either that she did have cancer and that or she didn't have cancer oh yeah or she didn't have cancer, got my slides, no problem, and then found out a month later than she should have that she actually had cancer. Right. And with right. something Which like that, so you want to you want to find out as quickly up. as possible. Yeah. In both cases, it's bad. Yeah. Jesus, bro, that is so so frustrating. So it's something it's that. something I don't really talk about much because I've just learned that like the less I bring it up, I mean, no, you're not. I'm not going to convince these people who are crazy and unwilling to look at a biopsy report from Mount Sinai Hospital or, you know, whatever. They're just going to ignore it and, and live their conspiracy theory. You're well, not this is, this is before the fake news era too, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Quote, unquote, um, fake news era. Exactly. Uh, so, so it's something I don't talk about because, like, I, I, whatever. I don't want to – it's, it's not a very pretty part of my yeah. life. But Sorry, at dude. the same time, every once in a while it comes up and it is, it is kind of a fascinating, like weird web of shit that happened. Um, and something that I had to like really fight to climb out from under in the first month of my time at my new job. Right. So I don't know. That's my story. 
tremendous oops on the part of the lab, dude. And, and it's scary. And you hear about misdiagnoses and all this stuff like, and this sucks because it's like, if you definitely have something in your head, you might be like, well, maybe they just fucked up. You know what I mean? Right. They probably didn't. Like that never, I've never heard of this happening. No. And I'm sure it does happen, but it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, they, the doctor told me, and, and what he said to me, like once it all came out, he was like, I knew that what, that there was something amiss here because they, right. when I, they did not look like tum- tumors to me. And he said that it does happen more often than you'd think. Um, which That's is not ideal. fucking crazy, dude. Like that, that news is so earth shattering to anybody. Right. Um, dude. So I don't know. Look, I take fault in that I should never have told KFC that quickly what had just happened to me. I should have waited and kept it private. But dude, come on. You missed you were almost late for the interview because of it. Yeah. And you're being honest. I mean, dude, you 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 stood out because of it. And you should have. You were told whether or not you had it, you were told you did. By a and doctor. it sounds like, bro, those it sounds like these people who are coming at you these are the kind of people who are just going to do that no matter what, maybe. I Exactly. Exactly. You know, what incentive I, is there to just, when you're literally, and it doesn't even matter. It's not like you're the president. You're just a guy who works right. at a fucking radio station or whatever. And you're yeah. showing them proof that you didn't make it up. Yeah. What more do they want? You're, exactly. There's just a lot of people out there that you're never going to, you're never going to please uh, who totally. want to believe their own version of things and, it's fine. Pat Williams said it, dude. It's like you don't if you have 14 haters say I'm paraphrasing, but if you have 14 haters and you don't have 15 come summer, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So, anyway, one of the many uh by, by the way, the next thing like maybe a week after that shit went down with me um was when I DM'd the Sports Illustrated swimsuit models. I don't know if you ever heard that story and I won't tell it today, but I asked, <laughs> uh, I asked this woman out or, Oh, you, I know the story. Yeah. Danielle Harrington. I asked her oh, out. I don't know. Dating. I knew about a different one, but okay. Sorry. Yeah. I asked this, this girl out on the date cause we'd had a segment together and I, I was, I, I said, I asked her if she wanted to go boxing sometime, just DM'd her. And then Portnoy got wind of it. And, uh, told them that I had faked cancer. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and then it like turned into a huge story that Francis was like shooting his shot with these, you know, sports illustrated swimsuit models. And it was, I don't know, <laughs> all of that happened within the first five weeks. I was, I, it was a trial by fire there that was so intense. And so I don't know how I fucking finally made it through and it, it eventually it calmed down, but Man, it was a crazy first month or so. At, at, at Fucking that nuts, man. Yeah. Crazy. Huh. Well, uh, you got anything else? Well, first of all, I want to say, give a shout out to Elijah's Extreme Gourmet Sauces. Hell yeah. They sent us some real hot and spicy. That ghost pepper sauce will kick your ass. So if you guys it like some hot sauce, go check it out. some heat, baby. It really does. Yeah. <laughs> but it's delicious. Um, As you can see, I've been, I've been eating all of them. Look yeah, at they are good. are like half empty so i'm enjoying them too um also i was thinking i noticed that we're getting listeners from all over the world like most of the countries in the world and uh we i I would be curious to see and i imagine you would too francis to see uh if you think you're listening from a place that we would find 
unique and interesting. Uh, we would love to hear about your experience. Yeah, absolutely. And especially Sweden. I'd like to talk to some people from Sweden right now about the herd immunity and the approach that they've taken to fighting the coronavirus. It is such an outlier uh, how they've gone about things. And um, I want to hear. I want to hear from that. So, so please, if you're from Sweden and you're an Oops listener, DM us or email us at Oops the Podcast is our Instagram. Oops the Podcast at gmail.com is our email. We would like to talk to you and get a sense of how things are in the most beautiful country on earth. Great. Um, awesome, anything man. else? I feel like that's pretty good for today. I'm sorry I took up so much time with that fucking story. Oh, dude, it's, it's a great story. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I brought it up because someone had mentioned it to us in DMs, and I didn't know that there was all this trauma associated. So I'm sorry for no, digging that back up. I'm glad. I'm glad we're out in front. And, uh, yeah, and hopefully, you're you, glad that I never heard the story. Yeah, yeah. It's always refreshing to me when I'm starting fresh <laughs> with people. And Julio texted me an email, and he goes, or texted me, he goes, "Cancer story?" Question mark. And I was like, "Oh boy, here we go." Have I got a tale for you. <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, you guys are the best. We're Oops, the podcast. We'll be back on uh, Thursday. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great week. Bye-bye.